I want to try to do a little teaching this morning on um, money and how it could talk. And that was the idea behind the little video that we just showed you, is if our money could talk, what would it say? What would it say to us? And you may think, well, you know, I don't really think I want to know what my money would say. Because uh, it might not have some good things and encouraging things to say. And that would be actually the idea. So if our money could talk, it might say something like this. Yeah, I know. I know about that. Or, yeah, I should have known. And that'll be slide number one, whoever's on slides back there. And there we go. And perhaps, no, I shouldn't have. So we know better and we shouldn't have. And yet, it, that's what our money might would say. And so I want to take, um, we do have a guest speaker next week. Uh, Pastor Peter Hall will be with us. But in between, as I have opportunity, I'm going to be sharing with you on these topics and kind of shed some light uh, on some ways that we can be managers and, and good stewards. The, the idea behind this, because, see, Jesus said more about money than he did heaven. How about that? He said more about money than about heaven. And yet he never asked for money one time. And some would say, yeah, he did. He asked for a coin. He did. He asked for a coin for an illustration. <clears throat> and as far as we can tell, he gave that coin back. So I don't think he even got away with one coin. But he never asked about it. But he's talked about it so much that it seems to be that he knew that that, that would be an item that we would kind of need some help with and we would perhaps struggle with and we would perhaps make some uh, wrong decisions and inherit some wrong habits perhaps from our families. And, and we've learned some bad things. But through Scripture and through what Jesus has to say... We can learn some new ways. Bear with us as we kill the echo. Our new sound system, it's working quite well overall. And we're, we're grateful for it. So Jesus, uh, you know, there's 30-some parables. And, he, and yet, he's, again, he spoke so much about uh, what it was about money. In fact, even more than heaven. And the thing about money is that if it could speak, it could say this, that I can add meaning to your life, but I'm not the meaning of life. Let that soak in for a moment, because as you, you say, yeah, of course, you know, it's, it, it's not my life. I'm not a, a lover of money, but yet, uh, what, if, what if it could be a means to an end instead of the meaning to life? Because we can become so consumed, we can become so slanted toward a pursuit of all things money. But what if it was, it was simply a means to an end? When you decide to be a means to an end, your money becomes a means rather than an end as well. I want to share with you from Luke chapter 16 this morning, beginning in verse 1. Luke 16 and verse 1, and Jesus is addressing a group. It says uh, he's talking to his disciples, but this is his 12, but it's also a larger group than that. And he's, he begins to tell one of his parables. And I want to give you a clue as we look into this parable, because I really want you to grasp this one. This is a parable that, um, as I came into Christianity as a 17-year-old, this would be one you know, they say, read your Bible, and I would have read my Bible, 
And then this is one I would have glossed over because I did not understand this shrewd manager idea here. And so I want this to be very clear today. In a parable, there's a couple things going on. There's, um, you, you can look for God, and I want you to look for God in this parable. Who is God here? And then there's, there's another factor, and it's, uh, it's others, and it's in fact, it's me, and it's you, and others that would listen. And so see if you can find your part in this parable as we read this today. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. And so there's a rich man. In fact, he's so rich that he has to have someone else take care and do business for him. He's just, uh, he's got that much stuff. He can't contain it himself. He can't manage it himself. And so he's hired another manager. And yet the manager's accused of wasting the rich man's possessions. So he called him in, the manager, and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. Manager, your time is coming to an end. You're you're being put on notice, if you did not know before, that there is a limited time on your assignment. You will not have forever and ever and ever... um, to accomplish this task. You have a limited time. And so keep that in mind as we continue in this passage. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. The time is going to end. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. So he's in a He's in a predicament. He's trying to figure out then. I've come to a realization that there's going to be a limited amount of time for me to do this for my manager. He he wants the books. I've got to wrap things up. I've got to do what I can. What can I do? He says, I know what I'll do. So that when I, when, again time, when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. And so it's a rich man, and he's got likely a lot of people who owe him as well through his business and personal matters. So there's a lot of people probably involved in this list of master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? Verse 6, 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, because there's not a lot of time here, there's a time limit, and make it 450. So we're going to cut that in half. And so I remember reading this for the first time, and I'm thinking, wow, what what kind of deal is this? You're going to get fired, and yet you're going to go, and what little time you have, you're just going to slash the prices. It's going to be Megapaca all over again, and we're going to... We're going to gasta menos compromas. And so that's the way it's going to go down. And he goes to the second. And we only have two examples here, but there has to be more than two. There's got to be a long list. And he asks the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it then 800. So we're going to still discount this a bit. 
interesting thing happens next because you're, you're reading this and Jesus's audience too they're thinking oh wow this guy he's going to jail you know th- this is not going to go well you've already um, the the master knows that you have not managed well and and yet you go in the limited time you have and you start slashing the prices and and cutting the bills of what is owed to him and and being a blessing to these other people and what's going to go down here so the master, he does something very odd, very odd upon your first read and probably upon your read today. He commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. <laughs> for, for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. And I'm thinking back reading that for the first time, and I'm thinking, okay, let's, can we move on to the book of John, please? Because uh, this is throwing me off my game here. He's dishonest, and he gets commended for being shrewd. What is it? The people of this world, those who only think that life is a birth certificate and a death certificate, that there is no more to this life than what we actually live out. That's the people of this world. And they are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind. Shrewd in their dealings. Shrewd in how they manage money. Than are the people of the light. And so in this audience, this is God's covenant people. The people of the light. The the Jewish people. They have a promise from God. He's going to do some great things through them. And he's contrasting the two. And and saying that these, these people of the light, they just don't always get that. These covenant people. And then perhaps the light bulb begins to come on just a little bit. Because now that... See, I'm a, Luke's, Luke's writing this on the, on the other side of the resurrection. He's able to look back and, and what was possibly confusing to this audience and possibly confusing to us, they now see this through the, the lens of resurrection. They see what Jesus was up to. That there was a lot more going on. That he was, he was making a covenant, a new covenant, and a new idea. And his children, people of the light. We too have the benefit, though, of looking back. We, we believe in the resurrection. And so we look back through a resurrection lens. And, and followers of Christ today, we should have a lot more as we look at this, and we, we begin to, to glean a bit more from this, that there is more to this life. I'm not a person of the world, but I'm a person of the light, of, of a covenant faithful God. And so I look through a, a lens of resurrection. Here's the thing about the money manager. I'm going to simplify it. Is the money manager was commended for this, he, for taking full advantage of his limited time and opportunity. That's what's going on. He realized uh, upon notice from the master that he had just a little bit of time. I remember when the light came on for me. That I realized that I only had a little bit of time. I was not going to live forever on this earth and in this place. And so then it matters then what decisions I make with what God entrusts to me. And that he's given me some opportunity, some opportunity to do some things. So in light of this parable, I began to see myself, and perhaps you too can identify uh, as I challenged you in the beginning. Like, where is God in this parable? Could it be the master that owns everything? 
has got so much going on that he's going to have some managers that are going to take care of, of some things that he entrusts to them. And perhaps I'm that manager and you're that manager. Perhaps. And we begin to realize too that there's more to this life. There's more than a birth certificate and a death certificate, but we have life and we have hope for eternity and we realize that the Master has given us much to take care of. And I have a limited time and a limited opportunity. And so then it matters what I do with what God has entrusted to me. Hmm. If I have limited time and opportunity, then what does that make me? It means that I'm a manager. That there's an owner and a manager. Eureka. The light came on. The light came on somehow in this process of following Jesus that the light came on finally and I realized, okay, it is not my stuff. This car that I have keys to, it is on loan. Yes, I may have a title to it, but it does not go with me when I leave this world. Neither does what is in my checking account or savings account or any land or anything else that that I think that I might own today, I'm simply managing it for a specific period of time. Does that make sense to you? This was a eureka moment for me when this first happened. I think back the best I can remember about 15 years ago before I really understood and someone broke it down so simply and said, God is the owner and you are the manager, young man. I wasn't, so, I wasn't so young 15 years ago, but he, thankfully, that's what he gave me. And so I see that, and I see what I'm managing, and I, I think about what life is to be about. When, life is, when this life is over, and we have that limited amount of time, I've been to a lot of funerals, and I've done a lot of funerals, and there's nobody talking about anybody's stuff. There's nobody talking about what they had and, and what they're leaving in anybody. They're talking about what they did in that life. What did they do? What did they do with the time that was given them? Did they help others as we read this manager did? Or did they do for themselves? Verse 9. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, and when it is gone and you and I are also gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Now for the follower of Christ today, this should be wonderful news because we can see and we believe that there is much more to this life. There is eternal life. We can identify with eternal dwellings. We get that. And if, and if not, then I invite you, if you're here today and you're simply interested, there's some principles here that will apply whether you want to follow Christ or not. But I would implore you to consider that there is more to this life. You see, Jesus, as he's telling the story and he's talking about eternal dwellings, I pay attention because anybody who's able to predict their own death and resurrection and pull it off, he demands my attention, and he's worthy of your attention as well. A resurrection, a resurrection. When he talks about eternity, I'm paying attention. 
See, according to Jesus, money is a means. It is a means to an end. And so I've been trusted with a little bit of money and a little bit of time and a little bit of opportunity. And what will I do with what I've been given? And see, sometimes I look at my life, and I'm really honest with you, that sometimes I do better with this than at others. Because sometimes I drift. See, I'm here on Sunday, and I'm thinking, my mind's thinking clearly. But about Wednesday, I may get weak. I'm down on the beach, and I'm thinking, man, it'd be nice to have one of those four-wheelers. Anybody with me? Yeah. Would be nice. Someday, maybe. (laughs) <laughs> you get thinking that way, don't we? We get thinking, you know, I'm thinking here on Sunday that, oh yeah, I'm reminded now, yes, I'm going to give God my first fruit, I'm going to give God a per- that percentage, and I'm going to live on the rest, I'm going to do my good budget, and then about Wednesday or Thursday, we start drifting a little bit. Maybe just me. How can I leverage more of what I have as a means to an end that's not me? That's not me, because... That's what I see in this passage. This manager finally got it. He said, this is is not going to end well. I got a little bit of time. I got to prepare a a place to go and and some people that will receive me. And I got to make the best of this. And so he goes about then beginning to cut the prices and be a blessing to other people and use this limited amount of time, this limited amount of management time to do something that makes a difference for others and not himself. I want to tell you something about <clears throat> Paula and I and, and what we're trying to share to our, our, our family. And, um, and please hear me because I'm, I'm not trying to um, project ourselves, but I just don't, sometimes I don't know a better illustration. And, and uh, probably many people here that, are, that I know even that are very generous and enjoy giving because you get this. Um, but I know that I, I, I live with, and I've been married to for a long time now, uh, a very generous person. She would give probably everything away. <laughs> she does better with this than me, because I, I may start to think I'm going to be giving, and I, you know, maybe it gets harder to add that zero on that check. But Paula, Paula would give. She's not a hoarder. She will give away. But she illustrates and what what we found years ago through this passage and others is we start to get this and we understand that we are a manager and we want to make a difference for eternity and so we begin to trade uh we turn stuff into stories turn stuff into stories i as i sit here even today and I look around this room, and I think that this is not even possible, but yet a lot of people, not just our family, but a lot of people help put a covering on this place. They provided labor, they provided gifts, the, the floor that you sit on, the, ch- the chairs that you're seated in. Others begin to think about, you know, there's a chair for me here, but I want to provide a chair for someone else. And by the way, we do need some more chairs. Because... When we begin to think in terms of others, you know, what can I do with this limited amount of time? Is we begin to think in terms of stories. We shared a story with you before offering today. Because we want you to be reminded that Jesus is still changing lives even today. 
That lady shared a beautiful story of how God intervened in her life through people and through circumstances because he loved her. And he began to share this wonderful news of Jesus. And you hear that and it becomes a story and you realize that God is still changing lives today. And it kind of motivates you. Yes, I'm giving God, I'm giving God the first fruit, but you know what? I don't need all this that I'm living on either. And I don't need that four-wheeler. I'd rather buy about 25 of those chairs that people are sitting in. That's what begins to scramble the brain a little bit. And begin to release the heart and release the hand to add that zero perhaps. Because we want to hear some stories. When I hear your stories on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights and over lunch and over coffee. And you tell how how God perhaps led you here. Or perhaps how God reached out to you. You weren't even here. You were some other place on this planet. And God connected with you and began to make real to you the message of Jesus Christ. And that he came and, and, and lived and walked on this earth and laid down his life and shed his blood that we might have forgiveness of sin. And it made sense to you. And you, you said yes to following Jesus. That is the story that gets me every time. I was talking to somebody this week about crying. And they said, you cry a lot. I do. But I don't cry about everything. I cry about the Trinity. Every time it's the Trinity involved. It's, it's I realize something about God the Father and how much that he loves. And it gets me. I think about Jesus and what he has done for me and it, it gets me. I sense the Holy Spirit at work and I, I, I am bearing witness as I hear your story and it gets me. And it melts me and, and, just, and wrecks me in a good way. And, and then I begin to cry because I'm just in an environment where I'm hearing all these stories. That's what's going on because God is still at work. You see, we turn stuff into stories. We, do, we realize that we don't need everything that we've got hoarded up and stacked up, but we need to liquidate some things and, and, and recognize how, how life is being lived. And I think in terms of uh, young people or middle-aged, older people, whatever, because the things about life is that we live this life on a percentage of our income. Why not determine, though, what percentage we're going to live on? Does that make sense? Because you decide, you know, I'm going to put God first and I'm going to, I'm going to give, and I'm going to save, and I'm going to live. I'm going to determine what percentage I'm going to live on, though. Because otherwise, otherwise, then it's dicta- life's dictating to us. We're just going and going and, and we end up living on 110% of what comes in. And then we end up in a mess. And then we've got to figure out how to get out of it. What if, though, that we just turn some stuff into stories today? And i got to ask a question. And it's a question I want to ask all of us. Is, do, do you, do I, do you want more stuff? Or do you want more stories? In verse 10, Jesus goes on, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you who have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? 
speaks to me that it's this, that Jesus is saying that money is a test. Because if you could get it today that he is the owner, that the father is the owner and we're the manager, then what he gives to us then becomes a test. We have this little bit of time, a little bit of opportunity, and we have a test then of what we will do with that opportunity and what he has entrusted to us. And can we be entrusted with much? Or is our focus truly not kingdom, but it's on ourselves? I don't like that. I don't like that about me sometimes. Because as I told you earlier, I'm prone to drift a little. I don't want to drift. I don't like to drift. But I need God's word to align me again. It's a test. Verse 12, and if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Here's what money would say. I'll still be here when you're gone. How about that? We're managers and not owners. Money would tell us I'm a a tool and a test. I'm a means to an end. I'm going to close out this passage with this thought, this idea. You know, if, if, I, if I let life drift, here's what's happened in my life. Is that I end up with these things. My own appetite will dictate how I manage. And it'll be about these things. It'll be about accumulation. It'll be about consumption. It'll be about upgrades. A little more fashion and a house full of stuff. That's my drift. Might even be a four-wheeler. That's where it would go. This last verse I want to share in verse 14. The Pharisees who loved money, they heard all this and they were sneering at Jesus. We could do the same. We could look at God's word and look at this passage and make, ah, I don't know. Jesus, crazy idea. Trying to help other people with limited time and limited opportunity. These Pharisees who love money, they heard all this and they were sneering at Jesus. What were their names? Exactly. There was nothing to write about. Nothing to make known. Nothing to add to the story. They live life because they love money. It was its own end. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for a story preserved today. I thank you for the people that sit here this morning. God, hungry for truth and light that, in a, that, that is in dark places. God, there is many, much to be said today about how we manage and what we do. A lot of ideas of men. And God, I pray your truth would find lodging today 
in the hearts of those who say, have said yes to you. And maybe today is a reminder. Others may be here and they're just wondering, you know, what is this Jesus? And what is, what's he talking about today? And Holy Spirit, I just would ask that you would work in that. Draw men and women and boys and girls unto you. That they would realize today that there is an end to this life. And it's not about accumulating stuff. Let there be good managers rise up from this assembly today. People who accept you at your word and at your truth. We give because, God, it's a test. You're, it's an opportunity. We have limited time. We want to expand your kingdom. We want to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. For God, you've been good to us. Better than we deserve. You've been so, so good to me. God, we're going to sing about your goodness this morning. And pray you would lead us. And perhaps those that might need prayer today, God, that they'll seek you, seek you out. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing today, if you need to pray further, and I'm going to, I always like to hang out here on the side, of this, this side over here. And if you would like to pray with me, you can. You may want to pray with somebody today. But when God's word goes forth, the Holy Spirit then is able to do the rest. And I trust that he's able to speak to you and with you and encourage you today that you may maybe see something for the first time. But let's leave here today knowing who the owner is and who the manager is. Thank you.